Hi, thanks for listening in. Uh, this message was delivered via Facebook Live. It was the first time I did that uh, for our church. And uh, it was definitely a new experience not being able to see anybody in front of me. Now I know that this is a podcast and you don't see me, but uh, it definitely makes the experience a little bit different. Uh, regardless, uh, this is a message that I uh, really loved uh, processing and writing and thinking about it. I normally spend about a week with the text before I sit down and re- uh, actually write uh, the message. So, um, man, it was just such a blessing for me personally, and I uh, really hope that it's a blessing for you as well. Father in heaven, I just want to thank you, um, first of all, for another day of life, uh, for the fact that you care for us so deeply and so uh, strongly and almost fiercely uh, that you watch over us, uh, even in the moments when we feel distant from you. We thank you, Father, because you are good. You are a good shepherd. You watch over us and you give us what we need. Father, as we uh, come today, this morning, we ask that your spirit be with us uh, in our minds and in our hearts and that uh, the message of today may not be just mine, but, but yours. Open our eyes, open our, our minds uh, to you. And uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, <clears throat> it is odd not being able to see you. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, I believe God is, is with us all today on this morning. And as Pastor Choi uh, read uh, Nancy uh, read the uh, the scripture for today. Uh, thank you very much for that. Um, but I would just like to, if you're, if it's possible, to turn in your Bibles uh, to John chapter ten, and I'm going to read a little bit more um, so that we have a good idea of what Jesus is communicating to his audience. Um, So John chapter 10, starting from verse 1, um, and I will limit myself from verse 1 to 18. And uh, it says this, Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is a shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of a stranger. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was trying to say to them. So again, Jesus says to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are uh, thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Jesus speaks a parable here where he identifies himself as both the gate for the sheep and the shepherd himself. You see, a gate is, is meant to keep people out, and a shepherd is meant to take care of the sheep. But Jesus also introduces other, other characters, right? There are hired hands, hired shepherds who don't care as much as he does about the sheep. When dangerous animals approach, the hired hand will run away and leave the sheep behind, right? Because they're not, they're not his. So now we have two problems. One is these hired hands, and the second issue are these dangerous animals that are hungry, that are roaming around, hunting, hunting the sheep. So it's not a good time to be a sheep. But then Jesus takes it a step further, introduces thieves and bandits. As if it weren't bad enough, now there are thieves and bandits who want to kidnap some sheep. And so you think, how far can this go? But then Jesus says the thief has come to steal. Well, okay, a thief is known for stealing. That's what they do. But then also to kill and to destroy. And then it, it, it kind of gets dark. So, so he's giving us almost this hopeless picture for the sheep. They have to deal with these things. And so he doesn't end there. He also inserts this line about there are other sheep that don't belong to this fold. Yet, Jesus will go and call them so that there's only one flock in the end. So, think about the sheep. Now they will have to make room for more. They're, they're going to get crowded. We don't know how many more will fit. It's, it's going to get uncomfortable for some of these sheep. And, and how many sheep can one shepherd take care of? These are things that are not mentioned. But Jesus says, continuing, he says, I will lay down my life. For the sheep he lays it down in order to take it back up up this is a resurrection talk right now i know that that to christians this isn't a wild concept we've all heard of it we've celebrated easter and the resurrection and, and although some some jews at the time believed in resurrection there were exceptions uh the sadducees for example did not believe in resurrection so jesus is speaking here uh, quite radically, and it 
if you think about it, if you really think about resurrection, it, it, it tends to boggle our minds, even when we know that Jesus was raised from the dead. Jesus says he will lay down his life willingly for the sheep. And he has the power to take up his life again. What on earth is he speaking of? Right? How, how, can, how can someone who dies have the power to take up their life again? Like, that's certainly not something that just anyone believes that they can do. Right? We believe that Jesus will raise us up again. But to raise yourself up again, that's, that's something else. Right? Jesus very plainly says, I have the power to come back from death. It's no, it's no wonder people listening to him are beginning to think that he's crazy or demon-possessed. This is unheard of. And the Jews, they don't know what to do when they listen to him. You can almost hear them asking themselves, should we be listening to this man? He's not making any sense. But, but he did just restore a man's sight. You see, right before Jesus begins speaking about being the gate and the good shepherd, he had just healed a blind man. So they're stuck in the middle. They, do, do, we, do they believe him or they do, do they not believe him? And so most of the Gospel of John presents people who don't know if they should or not believe. There's a, there's a suspicion that, that Jesus may, may very well be the Messiah, but then there's also a suspicion that he might not be. And, and even when Jesus very plainly, uh, very plainly says to them that, uh, that he, he identifies himself, uh, people don't believe him. And that's what's troubling about this whole thing. Whether Jesus uses metaphors or whether he speaks plainly, even his disciples are often caught between belief and unbelief. Now, if you hadn't realized it, we are the sheep in this parable. Not terribly flattering, I'd say, uh, but, but don't we all feel like them, right? There seems to be all sorts of danger out there, especially these days. We don't know what danger we will run into. Some of us have to suit up in protective equipment at work. Some of us have a whole routine that we've developed to, to, to go and just simply get groceries at the store. Some of us don't know if we'll get our next paycheck. Some of us don't know if our jobs will hold up. Some of us may not know if we're sick or not. Some of us may be sick ourselves or know someone going through it now. These are not good times. That much is very clear. You see, we encounter all sorts of dangers and, uh, and take all sorts of risks. At times, it feels like God is distant. Like this God we've been presented with as caring. Uh, it's almost like he, we doubt it. Uh, we begin to think that maybe God is a hired hand, that we're not cared for, that there are thieves and bandits after us to steal, kill, and destroy. And somehow... That when it all comes down, that, that, that we don't feel like God is going to stand by us. We almost feel like he's going to run away. And we question and we wonder, will God defend us from what is coming? So we secretly question God. Not out loud, of course, but in our hearts, we question whether God is good. We begin to doubt. And you see, this is part of being human. To be caught between belief and 
unbelief, to be an imperfect believer. Perhaps the image of God that we have in our minds doesn't quite match up with what we're experiencing. Maybe, just maybe, some of our ideas about God are fashioned more around this hired hand type of shepherd. Um, it, 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 it leaves us uh, questioning. Uh, maybe, maybe we don't know God. Maybe we need to get to know him. See, the Jews knew the scriptures very well, but failed to recognize God in the flesh. God in human form. Jesus. Unfortunately, that seems to also be the case for, for us. See, the Gospel of, of John is, is criticized for giving us such a poor view of the Jews, but I think we would be just as bad. It's a poor view of humanity. But Jesus mentions sheep that know him, that know his voice, and will follow him because they belong to him. Jesus knows them and gives them eternal life. Later on in the same gospel, uh, Jesus says that eternal life is this, to know God. There's a great deal of emphasis on knowing and being known. It's a closeness between us and Jesus that enables us to listen to him. But what do we do when we feel socially distant from Jesus? None of us has physically seen him or heard him. How do we deal with this physical quarantine from God? Do any of you have relatives whose voices sound identical over the phone? Um, maybe before we had caller ID on all of our phones, this was more of a thing. But I remember answering the phone at times and not knowing uh, if it was my mom or my aunt or my grandma. You see, they all sort of sound similar on the phone and it's embarrassing to have to ask uh, who, who am I speaking to, right? I'm supposed to know who they are. <laughs> so I'm caught between belief and unbelief as to who is speaking to me. They all sort of sound the same. So above hearing their voice, I have to resort to listening. I begin to identify them by the ways they uh, speak, the order of their words, uh, syntax. Uh, what is being communicated? Uh, and is their tone a little more distant or a little more caring and they all care about me but there's different levels of care and I can hear it I can sense it though I can't see them even if I ask for their name there's no way to prove that it's really them besides listening for these cues today we hear all kinds of different things we, we read all kinds of different things on the news we have started to believe stuff uh, from one place and not from the other. And, and, and we know that truth exists, but, but we're not sure whom to trust. Who, who, who do we listen to? Our mistrust spreads from ideas to people that promote them to the people who believe them. And even we don't trust each other. We can't even trust our own perceptions at times. What sort of world is this? And worse yet, we struggle to trust God through it all. But Jesus says, I am the gate. All who enter will have to go through me. Jesus is the gate for the sheep. We must all go through him. Jesus is the one who opens the door for the sheep to enter his fold. Whoever enters through Jesus will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. Saved. 
Save from what? Well, save from the wolf, the thief, and the bandit. Whoever enters through Jesus will be safe and sleep in peace and come and go and find all of their needs met. A sheep needs pasture, needs space, needs safety. And then Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. He's not the hired hand. He isn't, he is not the babysitter. He's, he's the mother, he's the father. He knows his sheep and he knows them by name. He knows their cries. He gathers them together and protects them. The following is a quote from a, a commentary I found by, uh, 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 on John by Bruce Molina and Richard Rohrbaugh. And um, it's talking about sheep and shepherds um, in, in the Middle East. And he says, Jesus describes himself as a capable and concerned shepherd. This would not have been lost on his audience. The breeding and care of sheep was something well known to Israelite peasants. Even in the Middle East today, uh, shepherds classify sheep in a bewildering set of categories, all of significance to the quality of the animal. By gender, we have ram, ewe, lamb. By breeding ability, whether they're fertile or barren, uh, age, they have special words for sheep uh, between one to six months old, between seven to 12 months old, one to two years old, three years and older. By time of birth, we have early lambs and summer lambs and spring lambs. And, and, and there's words even for the color of these sheep. There's white, there's black, there's black with white spots. There's blue black face, there's black face, they're white sheep with black face and neck, black spotted face, brown face, black and brown face, gray headed sheep. There is a different word for each of these categories. Further, in regard to illness, there are special names for the categories of, of different uh, uh, sheep that are variously afflicted. See, when you spend enough time with something, we begin to notice the details. If you spend enough time looking at trees, you begin to notice their differences, the characteristics of their leaves, the fruit, and their color. If you spend enough time studying birds, you begin to notice the slight differences, the color differences in their feathers. There are a wide variety of gulls, for example. And unless you have a trained eye or are especially looking at them, you wouldn't notice them. But an ornithologist or a bird enthusiast will be able to tell you more than you could remember about the differences between these birds. Jesus knows sheep, and the sheep know him. He is the good shepherd. He leads the sheep. In most cultures, shepherds do not lead sheep. They instead guide them from behind. They kind of push them. They may ride horses and, and, and kind of guide them in a direction that they want them to go. They may have the aid of sheepdogs who nip at the sheep if they go the wrong way. But Jesus says he leads them by walking ahead of them. He goes first and calls his sheep and they follow because they know his voice. Jesus is also the good shepherd because he lays his life down for the sheep willingly. He leads them out to pasture. He takes care of them. He saves them when they need rescuing. Jesus is always with the sheep, long days and nights in open fields, watching, caring, getting to know them. The good news 
is that despite the dangerous world of the sheep, the shepherd will protect them. He will guide them. He will feed and water them. He always has his eye on them. He knows if they're sick, lost, hurt, afraid, or hungry, and he fulfills their needs. The shepherd fights for them, scares off the wolves, stands up against thieves and bandits, and would even give his own life for the sheep. That is what it means to be a good shepherd, to be willing to give your life for the sheep. Now, think about that. We're not even talking about humans here. He's talking about animals. The good shepherd would give his life for sheep. I think that's where Jesus took it a step further than anyone expected. Yes, he's speaking of good qualities of a good shepherd, fulfilling needs and protecting them, but to give your life for a sheep? Come on, Jesus. Now you've, now you've taken it too far. I mean, they're not even on the same plane as a shepherd. Sheep are animals, not humans. Yet Jesus, being the good shepherd, would give his life for them. He loves his own. His love is fierce and it is pure. There's absolutely nothing that would change his commitment to his sheep. The good shepherd knows his own and his own know him. He is bound to them beyond what would be expected of a shepherd. Sheep are not just possessions to him. They are to be loved and protected, and that's exactly what he does. His love leads him to dangerous situations. His love leads him to face thieves and, and, and robbers and wolves. And his love leads him to lay his life down for the sheep willingly. But it doesn't end there. No, Jesus will take his life up again. Why? Because he can. Because he has the power to do so. Notice that he says, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to take it back up again. This commandment I have received from my Father. Now surely there were people listening in that audience who, who had already begun plotting against his life. Listen to the defiance in Jesus' words. It's as if he's saying, yeah, I know, I know what you're up to. But guess what? Even with all of your plotting and with all of your actions, you cannot take my life from me. I am laying it down willingly. Do you... Do you really, who can't add a single hair to your own heads or a single day to your lives, do you truly believe that you have the authority to take away my life? You're wrong. You are blind to your own powerlessness. I am the Son of God. It's as if a lion has suddenly become the shepherd. If a lion is protecting the sheep, there's, there's no one who would dare attempt anything against them. Fierce does not even begin to describe how Jesus protects his sheep. The lion goes ahead of the sheep, clearing the way and taking down the wolf, the thieves, and the bandits. Jesus is not weak. He is the author of life itself. He preaches the end of wolves, thieves, and bandits. He is peace. No need to fear. The good shepherd is here.
You see, the good news is that whether you're lost or in the fold, Jesus is the gate, not humans. People don't get to be the gatekeepers. No one can turn you away from Jesus. Listen closely. No one can turn you away from Jesus. Jesus is the gate. He is merciful, gracious, and loving. He welcomes us into his fold. He calls us his own before we even enter. Think about that. Right? He says he has other sheep that are, that are not part of the fold yet. He knows them and he will go out and call them in. Jesus will not leave you in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of darkness, hopelessness, or even rebellion. Some of us are in need of repentance and forgiveness today. Jesus knows we belong to him, and he calls us into his fold. He is the way. He continues to call you by name, and he won't quit until you're embraced. Jesus is the good shepherd and is leading us. Jesus goes ahead of the sheep. Think about what that means. That struggle that you're dealing with, that diagnosis, that prognosis, that loss, that grief, that hopelessness, anxiety, that darkness that you're headed into, Jesus has gone ahead of you. Jesus has gone through it. Jesus is still leading you. He's not leading you to it, but through it. He's not leading you to it. He's leading you through it. Even Death itself is not a destination. It is merely a speed bump in the larger picture. Jesus gives the sheep eternal life. See, the darkness itself has no substance. Darkness is simply the absence of light. Jesus said, I am the light. So he calls, he leads, and we follow. He holds your hand as you enter the trials, as you enter the place of suffering and pain. He says, this is temporary. This is not your destination. This is not what I've called you to or made you for. No, you were made to be known by me and to know me in return. I know you and you know me. You can trust me on this one. You don't have to fear. I know there's fear in your hearts right now, but allow my love to cast it out. You see, Jesus knows, Jesus knows it's scary. Jesus has had that panic attack moment in that garden as he begged his father for another way. He prayed all night and got no answer. He's been there before, but if Jesus willingly surrendered to God, so should we. If Jesus went into the storm, then so will we. He doesn't promise an easy walk, but he reminds us that he is the good shepherd. You are known and cared for in an extravagant way. He leads us into himself and saves us from evil. Jesus goes before us, defends us. We need not fear. He gives us the bread and the water of life. He comforts us. He holds us close. He won't let us go. He lays down his life for us. He takes it up again and gives us eternal life. We will rise because he has risen. He is all that we've hoped he would be. 
So naturally, the question is, well, do I know Jesus? I want to be his, but how do I know if I know him? How can I get to know someone I cannot see? Trust me, God wants so badly to be known by you. The scriptures speak of him. God wants uh, to, to display his character. But, but you'll just have to taste and see. Prayer is the practice of your faith. The, the, through prayer, you are choosing against unbelief. You're choosing to believe. Jesus is quoted in Matthew 6, uh, verse 6 as saying, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. God is eager to hear from you. He's eager to reveal himself to us. But it's tough to get a moment alone, isn't it? Everyone is home all the time now, so how am I supposed to? Well, well, guess what? The word for room that Jesus uses in referring uh, uh, to what to where you should be praying at, it, it's, it's a word that, that could be considered to mean more something closer to a closet. <laughs> and it's almost as if he's saying, hide in a closet if you have to, but get alone with God and pray. Now, to quote a singer-songwriter named Jenny Wallstrom uh, in a song that she wrote called Come All You Thirsty, the message is this. She writes, Come all you thirsty, he'll give you water to drink. Come all you weary, he'll give you peace enough to sleep. Come all you people, you oppressed and hurt, who've lost your dignity and your value in this world. Listen, you who have ears to hear, who have feet to walk, who have eyes to see, come be near him. Come, all you small ones, you shall inherit the earth, no more hiding or being looked down on. Come, all you liars, and he will give you the truth. There is no more death sentence, for he has risen for you. So listen, you. You who have ears to hear, who have feet to walk, who have eyes to see, listen, you who've been looked down upon, who, who cried all of last night just to survive this one, come to me, come to Jesus, come be near him, so that we can all together with the psalmist, we can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If Jesus is our shepherd, we lack nothing. 
Surely goodness and mercy are ours because of him. And you and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your words. We thank you for your comfort. And we thank you that you are not only the gate for the sheep, but also the good shepherd. Today, we just lift our minds up and our hearts and all of our uh, burdens to you in this moment. And we reach out to you. Bring us into your fold. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. I'm hoping that you were blessed by that message as much as I was. Uh, just a few notes about uh, some of the things I mentioned. The commentary I was reading uh, is a social science commentary on the Gospel of John by Bruce Molina and Richard Rohrbaugh. Um, I have an older edition, but I'm sure the newer editions have uh, the same content. And the song uh, that I mentioned by Jenny Wallstrom can be accessed by doing a quick search for a common hymnal. Uh, this is a group of Christian singer-songwriters who really strive to uh, meet reality with faith. I would strongly recommend that you listen to them. I've listened to them for a while, and I really love their, uh, their music. Uh, thanks a lot for listening. God bless, and uh, we'll see you soon.